Welcome everybody. We are going to get right into the word of the Lord today. I am going to go back into Revelation chapter 4, going to reiterate a little bit of what we had last week, and then we're going to continue on. What we are doing is incorporating the book of Revelation into our series of mind-brain connections. This is the 73rd message we have done on this series. We've been on this for over a year and a half, and I don't see any end in sight yet, because once we go through portions of the book of Revelation, we're going to go back to the book of Isaiah and look at some wonderful truths there. Now, let me say before I actually get into the message today that the ancients have said that there are at least 70 different applications to the Word of God. Now, I see it this way. I see one interpretation, which is the death, the burial, the the resurrection, what that means to us, and I see various or many different applications. It can be applied to socially, spiritually, mentally, physically, financially, and what we are doing here in the book of Revelation is we are incorporating it into our physical bodies or making the application concerning the physical body. What gives me the authority to do that? Well, first of all, much that is written in the book of Revelation is surrounding the temple. And Jesus and Paul the Apostle, among other writers, said that our body is the temple. In fact, Paul the Apostle said we're to glorify God in our body. How would we glorify Him in our body? By being healthy, by walking in divine health, by having our bodies functioning at optimal level by having the energy fields open, by incorporating the Christ mind, bringing it over to the feminine principle, bringing it over to the left side, seeing the two join together subjectively and then ruling from the throne. So Revelation talks a lot about the temple and that's why I have a right to be able to apply it to the physical body because our temple is the physical body or at least an aspect of the temple. Also, in the book of Revelation, it talks much surrounding the throne of God. Well, what is the throne of God? Some people think, well, it's off yonder 50 million light years away on some planet called heaven where God is seated on a large throne and Jesus is at the right of the Father at a little smaller, you know, throne, Elizabethan chair or so forth. But the throne represents something that we create. You know, in Romans 5, around verse 12, it says, We reign in life by one Christ Jesus through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. How do we reign in life? Well, in Genesis chapter 1, when God made man in his image after his likeness, he said for them to have dominion. What does it mean to have dominion? What does it mean to reign in life? It means that we bring the Christ mind over to the left side, the two become one experientially, and that creates the throne, and we rule from the throne. Now, the main thing we rule over is simply the lower thoughts. Until we can rule over the lower thoughts, we're not going to rule over much other than ourselves. And we must first rule in our own particular life before we can rule in the other areas of our life. So, as I said, I want to go back and reiterate a little bit from last week on Revelation chapter 4 as we talk about the physical body, as we talk about creating a throne, as we talk about ruling over the lower thoughts. 
And it's going to give us some real explicit things here in Revelation chapter 4. And it's going to show us what the result is going to be when we actually rule from this throne or when we actually live from the Christ mind. <clears throat> so notice what it says there in Revelation 4 verse 1. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened. And this door was opened, it says, in heaven. Now, what is heaven besides, you know, what most people think as being a place, you know, off yonder that you go to when you die? Heaven, according to the scriptures, is the realm of spirit, including the spirit within us. Heaven is the Christ mind. Jesus said it this way, the kingdom of God comes not with observation, but the kingdom is within you. That's the same way as saying heaven is within you. He said, or Paul said, that the kingdom of God is not meat nor drink. It is righteousness, peace, and joy. So heaven is the realm of spirit. Heaven is experienced through meditation, through activating the single eye. So it goes on to say that a door was opened up in heaven within us. And so that is designating the fact that this door is when we tap in to that consciousness of God that's in the realm of heaven or that is within us. That's what heaven is. It's the realm of spirit, including the spirit in us. And it is that part of us that houses the Christ mind. It's that part of us that is the spiritual aspect that we want to live out from. Now, that doesn't mean that the left side is not spiritual. The left side is just as spiritual as the right side. But there's a priority. The left side must be yielded unto the right side. In other words, the woman part of us, our feminine principle, must submit itself to the masculine principle. The woman or the wife submits to the husband. And that's really what Paul was talking about in the book of Ephesians when he talked about, you know, the woman must yield or submit unto the husband. He was talking spiritual. He wasn't talking anything literal. Now, verse 1 continues to say, And the first voice which I heard was as a trumpet talking with me. Now, let me just say a little bit about a trumpet. I used to play just a little bit of a trumpet for, uh, for a little while. And a trumpet, uh, even though a lot of people don't quite understand the workings of a trumpet and how you play a trumpet, you don't just blow hot air into a trumpet and make a beautiful sound. A trumpet, the way it is played is through vibration of your lips, and then breath goes into that trumpet. And what does it do? It brings harmony. Well, the same thing through our spiritual vibration and the breath of God within us, when we tap into that and activate that, what do we do? We bring harmony into our life. We bring peace into our life. The higher consciousness is experienced, which brings peace and causes us to walk in harmony and so forth. <clears throat> then it goes on to say, as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, now listen, when we turn within to the realm of spirit, when we turn within to heaven, we're going to hear this trumpet, this clear sounding word, because trumpet means a clear sounding word. We're going to hear this clear sounding word on the inside of us. And this is what it's going to say, come up hither or come up higher. And then it goes on to say, and I will show you things which must be hereafter. So when we were in the lower thoughts, when we were 
involved in being led by our five physical senses. Our life was really perishing before us. But as we turn within, and as we hear this trumpet or this clear sounding word, and it says to us, come up hither, and we do come up higher, we raise our level of consciousness. As we do that, then he's going to show us what is going to happen after that takes place. Now, let me just say this about the book of Revelation. <clears throat> so many people terrify people. Uh, they become terrorist preachers simply because they look at the book of Revelation and they interpret it literally. Many are interpreting the book of Revelation today literally, and they're saying with this virus that's you know going for us, and the for us part has to be interpreted symbolically. In chapter 1 it says that the angel brought this word to John. In other words, he signified it unto John by his angel. The word signify means it's written in sign and symbol. So if you don't see the symbology of the book of Revelation and you're trying to interpret it literally, what did Paul say about that? The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So we must interpret the book of Revelation in a spiritual sense if we're going to experience anything from the book of Revelation. Now let me give you a few scriptures. I know I gave you these last week, but let me give them to you one more time. In Genesis chapter 19 and verse 17, it talks about escaping to the mountain. Now that's not talking about a literal mountain. A mountain is a high place. It's a high consciousness. When it says that Jesus would go off into the mountain to commune with the Father, it doesn't necessarily mean that he went to a literal mountain, but he tapped within himself to heaven, to this realm of spirit, where he could hear this clear sounding word from the Father, and then he himself said, I don't do anything but what I see the Father do, or say anything but what I hear the Father say. So escape to the mountain is talking about us doing what we're reading here in Revelation uh, chapter 4. It's turning within to the high place, to the high consciousness. Also, Exodus 3.12 says, Ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Again, it's not referring to a literal mountain, but the mountain is symbolic of the high place or the high consciousness or drawing from the Christ mind. So the higher consciousness in us is heaven. Now, let me say it this way. You can create for yourself heaven by drawing out of the realm of heaven or the realm of spirit within. Or you can create for yourself hell by drawing out of the lower thoughts, being led by the five senses, walking by sight rather than walking by faith or walking by knowing. So it's important that we tap into this or go to this high mountain. Another scripture is Isaiah 2.2, which says, The mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains. Now, we know we're the house of God. So being the house of God, if this house is established, if the mountain of the Lord's house, which is us, is established on the top of the mountains, again, what that is talking about is the higher consciousness. It is talking about drawing our thoughts from the spirit realm. <clears throat> then also Psalm 61, 2 says, Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Now, we know spiritually that the rock is Christ. Remember, uh, Jesus said to Peter and, and the other disciples, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And Peter got the revelation, and Jesus said, You're right, Peter. You got that by spirit or from the Father, and you are a rock. And upon this rock of revelation that I am the Christ, 
the church shall be built. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the rock. Now, the rock to us spiritually, of course, is Christ. But when we're applying this to the physical body, where he says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, the actual word for stone or rock is the pineal of the brain. And you see, when the pineal is not activated, it's like a grainy substance. But when it begins to be accessed and activated, it becomes a rock. In fact, it's even called a stone or called a rock. And it is the rock that the builders have rejected. It wasn't just Christ that they rejected, but it was the Christ of this rock, the pineal, that people have rejected. And then also in Psalm 61, 2, it says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. The one we just read, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So again, that is referring to when we're dealing with the body, just when we're dealing with the body, that's referring to the pineal. It is that which Jacob experienced in Genesis 32, where it says he saw God face to face and his life was preserved. Something happened to his physical life. He saw God face to face. He activated the pineal and he saw with a single eye. Because when Jesus said in Matthew 6:22, if your eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. That is what Jacob experienced and it affected his physical body. His life was preserved. Now, also we could look at Luke chapter 22 and verse 12, where it says there, and Jesus had said, I'm going to show you a large upper room that is furnished. What was he talking about? He was talking about the age that we have just not too long ago entered into, which is the age of Aquarius. There was the age of Pisces, the fish, and Jesus talked about the fish quite often. But now we've entered into the age of Aquarius, and Aquarius is just a word that means the word. It's the age of enlightenment. And Jesus said, listen to what he said. He said, when you enter the city, you're going to meet a man bearing a pitcher of water. Now, men didn't carry water pitchers in those days. Women did. So Jesus says, when you enter into the city, there's going to be a man that you're going to meet. He's going to be bearing a water pitcher. And he, was, he, he told them to follow the man into the upper room. Why the upper room? Because the upper room represents the higher consciousness. It's that trumpet we just read in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1. It's that higher consciousness. It's that Christ mind. And so what he was saying there is that if you, and once you see this man bearing the water pitcher, if you'll follow the man, he'll lead you on the inside of you where you will hear the voice from heaven. You'll hear the trumpet saying, come up higher. You know, in Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 7, it says, Wisdom is too high for a fool. He openeth not his mouth at the gate. What is that saying? That's saying that religiosity, religiosity will not receive these things for the most part. They think it's New Age or Eastern philosophy or whatever. But I believe if we're going to be a people, you know, in the body of Christ, we talk about health and divine health and healing and so forth. But yet we don't want to deal with the body. We just think it's going to automatically happen. I believe there are some things that we really need to look at. And we've been looking at those things where the energy fields are concerned. And let me just say this. Right now, as we begin to behold the opening of the seals, as Revelation 5 and verse 1 says, because it talks about a book within, which we are, esoteros, or the book within. And it says it's sealed on the back side with seven seals. 
And so when you're applying that to the body, specifically the body, it's talking about the seven energy fields of the physical body. And I believe we need to look at these things and it's going to be the opening and the experience of us experiencing optimal health. Optimal health. It's going to be us experiencing that which God has purposed for us to experience. Now, in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1, where it says there, come up hither or come up higher, and I will show you things to come, we need to have the courage in the body of Christ to leave the lower thoughts. You know, even Hebrews chapter 6 tells us we're to leave the principles of the doctrine of Christ. And it lists about six or seven different principles there. We need to leave those things and have the courage to go up higher, to turn within, to hear the trumpet, the clear sounding word, and then access that higher dimension. You know, in Revelation chapter 1, it tells us there that the kingdom is at hand. And the word hand there means throttle. What does that mean? It means that we can experience what we're talking about here as quickly or as slowly as we desire to experience them. We rule. We can reign in this area and in these dimensions that we're talking about. So the throttle is in our hand for us to experience this as quickly or as slowly, depending on how we can access this truth. You see, we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. We have been given all things that pertain to life, natural physical life, and godliness, spiritual life, through the knowledge. So we access these things through the knowledge, through the understanding, through coming up higher, through turning within, through, through hearing the voice from heaven, through hearing this clear-sounding word. Now, listen what it says, goes on to say here, as we come up hither, notice it says in verse 2, and immediately I was in the Spirit. Immediately I was in the Spirit. So as we access what the trumpet is saying unto us, as we turn within, immediately we're in the Spirit. Now, let me say something about that, because Paul the Apostle in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9 says, you're not in the flesh, you're in the Spirit. So we've always been in the spirit, no matter what our behavior is, no matter uh, what we think or don't think, objectively, we are in the spirit. All mankind is in the spirit. They just are not aware that they're in the spirit. So once we turn within and we hear this trumpet and we come up higher, as it says there, immediately we're going to be aware that we're in the spirit and we've always been in the spirit. And then it goes on to say, and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. So we read in verse 1 about coming up higher, what that entails, and when we respond to that inner voice or that trumpet or that breath, which brings us up higher, which causes us to experience peace and harmony in our life, you are then aware that you're in the Spirit and you're experiencing that which you would experience and are experiencing while you're in the Spirit. You see, in Romans chapter 8, it tells us that the lower thoughts or the carnal thoughts are the enemy of spiritual experience. And we know that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 to take no thought. What did he mean, take no thought? You're always thinking about something. He said, take no thought in reference to the five sense realm, to the lower thoughts. The thing we take thought of is the Christ mind. We allow the thoughts 
of spirit to flow through us if we're going to experience what he's talking about here in Revelation chapter 4. Now notice at the end of verse 2, he also says, A throne was set in heaven, and one sat upon the throne. Now we talked about the throne, and I shared with you how the reason that I can apply the book of Revelation to our physical body is because much is said surrounding the temple, which is our body, much is said concerning the throne of God, which is when we access the Christ mind and bring it into the individual awareness. That denotes a throne. And then it says, one sat on the throne. Notice, not two, but it says, one sat on the throne. Who is the one that sat on the throne? Who is the one that is ruling and reigning? Well, it would be Christ as us. Christ, the many-membered Christ as us. And this is why the scripture says that God's name, one of them, is I am. It's just one. So you see, it's him reigning, him ruling as us. That's interesting because that's what happens when we access, when we hear this trumpet, we turn within, we come up hither, we become aware that we've always been in the spirit, then what takes place is we begin to rule over the lower thoughts and reign over the lower thoughts, and it's one that is seated on the throne, which is Christ as us. Then he goes on to say in verse 3, And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. Now, what we're doing here, and this is where we left off last week, we're getting into gems and we're getting into colors. See, everything in the Bible, there's nothing written in Scripture that doesn't have a symbolic meaning. Gems have a meaning. Remember the breastplate of the high priest had 12 different stones. They all represent a different level of consciousness that we go through. Every color represents a level of consciousness. Every character in the Bible represents a level of consciousness that we pass through to come to this place that we're talking about, where we rule, where the one as us rules and reigns. So notice it talks there in verse 3 again. He that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And then notice what the rest of verse 3 goes on to say. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Now, if our eye is single, we can hear what we're going to say here. And what I'm going to say about this is that our experience is going to be very natural, not supernatural. Now, I know a lot of fundamental Christians have a hard time with natural. They want it all to be supernatural. But when we come to this place, as verse 3 talks about, where we are to look upon, or he that sat was to look upon a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald, all of those stones and colors represent that which happens to us naturally. Not supernaturally, but naturally. It happens to us naturally when we hear that trumpet, when we turn within, when we become aware that we've always been in spirit, when we see the one that rules as us over the lower thoughts. So, so this is talking about, this is talking about something that will just naturally happen to us in our lives when this is incorporated. Now notice there about this rainbow. The rainbow, according to the ancients, represented a bridge between the lower thoughts and the higher thoughts. 
When you see a rainbow, it's in the heavens, but it touches the earth. You know, you've heard people say, well, you know, at the end of the rainbow, there's a, or at the end of the uh, rainbow, yes, there's a pot of gold. And gold speaks of divinity. So as we see that this rainbow is a bridge between the lower thoughts and the higher thoughts, then we experience that divinity or that pot of gold. So what we must see here is all of these things represent something to us spiritually. So let's dig into these gems just a little bit. Let me read verse 3 again. It says, He that was to look upon, or he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. Now, a jasper is a blue-green color, kind of like an aqua blue color. The sardine stone is a deep orange and red color. And what they represent are simply the higher thoughts of the right side or the Christ mind that is brought to the feminine principle on the left side. And let me give you some other colors here. The color rose red speaks of love. Fiery red is ambition or emotions. Scarlet is energy and life. Yellow is kingship. And of course, it designates the throne or gold. Green is growth in consciousness or awareness. Blue is intellect and peace. Purple, of course, we have known to be royalty, but it's also wisdom. White is purity and perfection. It's why Jesus is related to the white horse, which we'll talk about once we get to that chapter. Black is potential or ignorance or darkness. Remember the Shulamite said, I am black but calmly. Calmly means beautiful. In other words, I have potential, I'm beautiful, and I have potential within me. So all of these colors represent something to us symbolically, which we're going to get into a little bit more as we continue to go on in this series of teachings. Now, notice in verse 3 it says, And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper, which is green. And as I said, green speaks of growth and consciousness growth of divine consciousness and understanding because it's an aqua or it's a blue-green color. And then it says, And he that sat was like a, a sardine stone, which is yellow-orange and red. And that speaks of ambition and power over the lower thoughts. And then the rose-orange-red designates power over the fleshly emotions. And the yellow, of course, is rulership. It's kingship or rulership. So, you see, through all of this, we can see why that the renewing mind is important because it takes the right side, the right hemisphere that represents the Christ mind, the renewing mind. You know, in Romans chapter 12, it talks about the renewing of your mind. But, you know, of and your is not really there. So it's really the renewing mind that brings about the experience of transformation. It's not your mind as though you have another mind that you're renewing with the Christ mind. No, it's just the renewing mind, the one mind that we have. That's why I don't talk about the lower mind because there is no lower mind. There's lower thoughts, but there's only one mind that we have, and it's the mind of Christ. So in a nutshell, the mystery of verse 3 is that there is godliness that brings love to give you control over the fleshly emotions and a divine intellect which provides you with growth of consciousness in understanding the things of the Spirit and being able to come up higher and access all that he talks about here in Revelation chapter 4. 
So you see, John's meditation brings him into the higher consciousness, which provides the love above the human plane, which gives power over the thoughts of the lower. Now, as I said before, and in this series numerous times, there's nothing wrong with the left side. The left side is just as spirit as the right side, just as pure as the right side. But you see, when the five senses tempt you or challenge you, they try to connect with the left side. They try to connect with intellect. They try to connect with reasoning. They try to connect with your logical side. But there's nothing really wrong with the left side. As a matter of fact, the left side is where we see the virgin consciousness. And so when we sow seeds from the Christ mind into the left side, it conceives those thoughts, that sperma or that seed of God conceives what the virgin consciousness are quickened there, and then the two become one in experience, and we birth then the nature of Christ like the woman did in Revelation chapter 12. Now, it also states here in verse 3 that there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Now, this is a beautiful picture of color that symbolizes those who lift themselves up into this higher consciousness. And the emerald, as I've already stated, is green. And what is green? Green means growth of consciousness and understanding. So the scripture here in verse 3 confirms what I stated before, that heaven is a state of growth drawing out of the realm of heaven within us constitutes a state of growth where we grow in our awareness and we grow in our consciousness and it's actually what the scripture talks about when it says we shall meet him in the air because what is the air the air is taking the thought you know the, the greeks had five levels of consciousness earth water air fire and christ's mind so to be caught up to meet him in the air is when we take no thought. We've taken that lower, the lower thoughts, we've baptized them into the water of the word. We come to the place to where we take no thought of the lower thoughts and we experience then the fire or the opening of those energy fields on the backside that were sealed up. And once that takes place, we begin to experience enlightenment. We begin to experience spiritual experience like Jacob experienced in Genesis chapter 32. Now, not only that, but let me talk about this rainbow a little bit because it says the rainbow was round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald or as conscious growth. So what is the mystical understanding of the rainbow? Well, as I've already stated, the rainbow designates and was to the ancients a bridge between the lower thoughts and the higher thoughts. In other words, it's a bridge to get from those lower five sense realm thoughts that you're challenged by and to get to the Christ mind. It's that which connects heaven and earth together. So let me ask, what is a rainbow? Well, a rainbow, you see, is some, has symbolic reference. A rainbow is caused by a reflection of the sun. And of course, we know the sun is Christ. So a rainbow is caused by reflection of the sun through drops of water. And of course, we know water is truth. So now we have truth being reflected through Christ consciousness. And it comes from a cloud. The water comes from a cloud. And a cloud can designate 
the unseen realm, unseen spirit. It can designate his presence. It, it designates a, you know, a people. Behold, he comes in clouds. That's in a people. But it also designates the unseen realm. And so what we have here is the water, which is truth, coming from a cloud, which is the unseen spirit realm. And then it is reflected through that truth, which is the light of Christ. And what we experience then is the higher realm of truth or consciousness. And that's why the rainbow is used symbolically here. And as Paul stated, everything that is made that you see in the visible realm was made from or came from the invisible realm. And so it's the same here with the rainbow. It speaks of that invisible realm experienced in the visible realm within our lives. So, so seeing a rainbow in scripture is designated as the bridge between the lower thoughts and the higher thoughts. And it represents the water, which is truth coming from a cloud, the invisible realm. And that's why the scripture says we shall meet him in the air where we then have taken thought only of the thoughts of Christ and we're no longer taking any thought of the lower realm or of the five sense realm. So you see, as this water or truth comes from this unseen spirit realm within us, it is reflected by that which is the sun, the light, the Christ consciousness into our being and you have the rainbow then with its various colors. In other words, what you experience then is the one fruit of the spirit of love in its many manifestations and expressions. So you see, the ancients saw the rainbow as a bridge between the lower thoughts and the higher thoughts. And there were three principles that they tied together with the rainbow. Principle number one, which is red, which is God's love and power. Principle number two is white and yellow, which is the dominion where the lower elements are concerned, and it speaks of victory over the lower thoughts. Principle number three is the same as the jasper, which was blue-green, and it was the growth of divine understanding. So you see, what we must understand is that there is nothing in Scripture, there's no number, there's no color, there's no character, no person, that does not have a spiritual significance where we are concerned. And as we connect with those and come to the understanding of those things, we then will experience what we can read about here in Revelation chapter 4. We'll begin to experience, you know, neck was also known as a bridge. You know, the prodigal, it says that the father hugged him on the neck. Jacob and Esau hugged on the neck. Whereas they had conflict in the lower realm, all of a sudden they had peace and harmony from the higher realm. So neck can be the bridge between the lower and the higher, just as rainbow is a bridge between the lower thoughts and the higher. <clears throat> now, notice it goes in verse 4, and he says, And round about the throne, and what is the throne? The throne is that which we build as we bring the Christ thoughts and impregnate them or the masculine principle intercourses with the feminine principle. We have built a throne and we rule then from that throne. So round about the throne were four and twenty seats and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment and they had on their heads twelve crowns of gold. 
Now, I've talked about this a little bit before in this series, how that we have 12 cranial nerves on the right hemisphere, 12 cranial nerves on the left hemisphere. Add them together, what do you get? You get 24, which represents the 24 elders here bowing down and submitting unto Christ. So you see, without these 24 nerve centers or cranial nerve centers, we could not live because the 12 on the right hemisphere, the 12 on the left represent, and the 24, total 24, represent how our brain functions. And so we need, without these cranial nerves, we could not function. So when we look at, for example, at these 24 nerve centers or cranial nerves, we need to understand that they're very specific. Now, what are we talking about? We are talking about the throne of God that we build and we rule from. And so this is talking about 24 elders and they're seated here in white raiment. They are clothed with the purity. You know, the scripture says uh, in the New Testament, it says to the pure, all things are pure. See, and that's what I say about this virus that, that is in the world today. The best thing you and I can do about this virus is pray the highest form of prayer. What is the highest form of prayer? Seeing it as spirit sees it. Seeing it through the single eye. That's the best thing we can do. I know there's a lot of people today sending out a lot of different prayers and so forth on Facebook, but the highest form of prayer, the best thing that we can do about this apparent virus that is in the world today is see every person complete and whole, walk by faith and knowing rather than by sight. See it done. See it through the finished work. See every person complete and whole, not sick with a virus. That's the best thing we can do for the people of the earth. Now, we're talking about these 12 cranial nerves and the total would be 24, which have to do with these 24 elders. And also we could read in the Old Testament, which we'll do next time we get together. But these 24, let me just list these, the 12 cranial nerves on each hemisphere, the right hemisphere, left hemisphere, have to do with smell, have to do with vision, have to do with eyelid movement, eyeball movement, has to do with turning your eyes laterally, up or down, have to do with chewing, have to do with uh, facial movements, with touch, have to do with a lot of different facial expressions, has to do with tears, secretion of tears, have to do with saliva, with taste, have to do with auditory, hearing, equilibrium, sensitivity, has to do with senses, has to do with blood pressure. There are 12 different aspects of the brain, 12 on the right, 12 on the left, that have to do with all of your functions, tongue movements, swallowing. And see, this is what it's talking about. Since we're applying this to our physical body, you can see how that these 12 elders, or 24 elders, excuse me, these 24 elders are very significant in our bodies. They need to be working properly. And if they're not working properly, and some of that has to do with with our energy fields being closed where there's blocked energy there and causes a lot of problems mentally, causes a lot of problems in the brain, causes a lot of problems in really any given part of our physical body. So that's why it is so important for us to realize that we need to look at some of these things in order for us not just to get a healing here and a healing there 
and be healed one day and sick the next, but so that we can experience fruit that remains where our bodies are concerned. And so this is why I'm teaching this. I'm trying to kind of reconcile some things that, that people in the world have used, phrases and words that they have used, that Christians have looked at just as New Age or Eastern philosophy. We can actually find it in the Word of God. And you know, Psalm 139 says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's talking about our physical bodies. So he wants us to experience health. You know, in one of the little John books, he said, I wish that you would prosper and be in health, not just get healing, but be in health as your soul prospers. In other words, as you open up your understanding and your realization to some of these things. Now, also, as we talk about these 24 elders, it says there, let me read that again, and round about the throne were four and 20 seats, and upon the seats I saw four and 20 elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. So what is this talking about? This is talking here about our body. If we're applying this to the body, which we are, this is talking about the 12 cranial nerves on the right side and on the left side, which total 24, and it's talking about them being clothed in white raiment. In other words, they are experiencing victory in every area and aspect of their physical bodies. As a result, because it says their heads, on their heads were crowns of gold. In other words, they were drawing, in their thinking, they were drawing from the Christ mind, and they were seated, in other words, they were at rest where their body was concerned. They were at rest where their physical body was concerned. Now, when are we at rest where our physical body is concerned? When there's no pain, when there's no disease, when there's no disability, when there's proper function, when our bodies are functioning the way God created them to function. Now, I could apply that, and we'll do this more next week, to 1 Kings chapter 10, verses 18 through 20, which says, Then the king, talking about Solomon, made a great throne covered with ivory and overlaid with fine gold. The throne had six steps, and on the top of the throne was and on top of the throne was round behind, and there were stays on either side on the place of the seat, and two lions stood beside the stays, and twelve lions stood there on the one side and on the other side of the six steps. There was not the like made in any kingdom. So what is this talking about where it talks about the six steps? Do you know that there are six different regions of your brain? There's the cerebral hemisphere, thalamus, hypothalamus, the midbrain, the cerebellum, the obligation or ob oblongation or however that's pronounced. Six different steps to the Solomon's throne represent six different regions of our brain. So now let's move on and, let's, and we'll talk about this a little bit more next week, but let's consider further description of this throne. It says in verse 4, of Revelation chapter 4, and round about the throne. Now isn't that interesting when you're applying this to our brain, our brain is round on the top and it's round behind. And it's talking about round about the throne. But you see where it gets really interesting, which we'll deal with next week, is the description of the 12 lions standing on one side and on the other side. 
And then it talks about 12 pairs of nerves that are on both sides of the brain. They represent and correspond to the 12 lions that are standing on each side of the six steps. See, and all of this makes up what? 24 elders, the 24 kings, the 24 elders. So what verse four is conveying is that when the pineal is activated or when the crown energy field on the top of our head is opened, we are at rest as these 24 elders and we are ruling. And notice also, it states that the 24 elders were seated at rest, having crowns of gold upon their head. They were ruling, you see, through the mind of Christ, they were ruling over the lower thoughts. The lower thoughts. The five senses that try to connect with the left side. So this is a wonderful study for us to realize that we can look at the book of Revelation and we can see it. And I've taught the book of Revelation chapter by chapter, verse by verse, a couple of times. We have one whole series on YouTube. And I taught it differently, of course, and I don't take away from that whatsoever. But I believe that we can teach it according to the physical body because the scripture talks about the temple there in Revelation and our body is the temple. It talks about the throne of God and our consciousness is where we rule from. So what have we learned so far today? Well, we've learned that there was a door. There is a door that is open in our awareness. It's what? A door open in heaven. And heaven is what? The realm of spirit, including the spirit in us. When we turn within, there is a clear sounding word or a trumpet that we hear that causes us then as we come up higher, as we turn within, to leave the lower thoughts for the higher thoughts. And then what happens, he said, you are immediately in the spirit subjectively. You begin to experience the realm of spirit and there is one on the throne and that one that is on the throne rules as us. And then as that takes place, we see the rainbow and the different gems and so forth. We see the rainbow, which then is what? Is the bridge between the lower thoughts and the higher thoughts. So it's just beautiful how all of this fits together like a hand in a glove. And we're going to continue this next week. We'll do a little bit more with verse 4 of Revelation chapter 4, the 24 elders seated around the throne and so forth. So that's what I have for you today. I appreciate you listening and watching today. Have a wonderful week. Stay well until next time.